0: Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Tales podcast. Today, joined by Leslie M., uh, author of Swagger. Now, the first time I heard about this book, first time I met Leslie, there was that bit, that question in my mind about Swagger. I felt, was it going into um, almost a topic where we, we almost say to people, look, you just need to inject yourself with something that will give you confidence in the moment. But the more you understand what she's about with Swagger, her story, And just listen to her talk, you realise there's a whole there's a whole piece around this about authenticity, about finding what she describes as swagger for everybody. And uh, the content of swagger is whatever you want to bring. What is your truth? What is your your core that you're bringing to there? So it's a fascinating listen today. Um, You'll get a lot out of the conversation, um, and you'll also get some tips and ideas. But the swagger of the book is well worth a listen to, or or a read uh, in there. So enjoy, Leslie Anne. So tell me, what did you call a holiday in Canada last week? What did you have? Uh,
1: Victoria Day.
0: Ah, okay. Queen Victoria,
1: because it's we're British, right? So yeah. we're, we're a colony-ish. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, we've got a big celebration-ish coming up this this week, so it's our jubilee. So oh, we've got yeah. Thursday, Friday off. What and, is it,
1: 70 years?
0: Yeah. So big pageants and, uh, yeah. So 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 it's so fun. It's so fun. I know. Fun. The bunting is all around, so, yeah, it's great. I know, I
1: missed that. I loved it. It was all, every pub you went into, the flags were hanging ah. and the, you know, <laughs> so it was like, let's go, Jubilee, and then everyone just got pissed.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's, it's it's
1: that's an even... excuse to get pissed.
0: Right? Who needs an excuse, but yeah, we'll yeah, take one, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> validation for getting pissed.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, as a Scotsman, there's no validation needed. It's part yeah. of our heritage, so, yeah. So, so tell everybody a bit about yourself then. Tell me your, your background, your story, because it's fascinating how you got there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I did not follow any traditional path in any way, shape or form. You know, I, I started no. out as a singer. I started my first band when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with all things British. Hmm. Living in, I was living in Canada, but obsessed with all things British. So I loved like the whole punk new wave movement, it so spoke to the rebel spirit in my heart, you know? And and at the time, this is back in the day, because I'm much older than I look, I would just like to stay for the yeah. record. Um, and
0: for those visually yeah. not seeing this, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was
1: like, yeah, it's true. Yep. Yeah, uh, So I... I wanted to be, you know, a new wave superstar, mm. so much so that I moved to the UK when I was 19 mm-hmm. to pursue my dreams of being, you know, the next new wave star. And then life just took me in in a direction that I could never have anticipated. Mm. But I just kind of stepped into every opportunity that, that was presented to me. I found a music partner through the um, Melody Maker. That's how old I am. So, you know, the mu- old music papers, right?
0: Ah, I remember that good old enemy and the melody maker, Yeah, you know? <laughs> Yeah,
1: and my music partner happened to work in the film industry. He was the head of acquisitions at an independent film company in the UK called Palace Pictures. Mm. And so I was sort of brought into that world, and my life became part music and part film industry. And I spent a lot of time in the studio, obviously, recording and writing and so on. And my partner would throw scripts at me and say, have a read of these and tell me what you think. You're, you're American. I'm not. I'm Canadian. But, you know, with that kind of so I would read these scripts and then give him my opinion. And he liked my opinion. So he started asking me to do script analysis, mm. meaning you read the script and then you write a one page report for studio executives to say, yay or nay, like it, don't like it. And I fell in love with story and structure. And I'd always been a writer. So it was very much in me. And as I was seeking my fame and fortune as a, as a singer, which is not an easy gig, I got deeper into the film industry and ended up working as a script editor and a script doctor and, and so on. And then I figured, listen, I'm, I'm broke. Mm. Fully skinned. So I'm going to try and make money creating TV proposals and then trying to pitch them to produ- production company. Maybe I can sell a TV concept. Mm. And One thing you need to know about me, which is probably no surprise, considering that we know each other a little bit, Mm -hmm. is that I'm a go big or go home kind of girl. And I've always believed that every time you get an opportunity, you have to go all in. Mm -hmm. So uh, on this one occasion, I was pitching a concept to a production company in the UK, big, big production company. And I'm doing the dog and pony. I'm like, so here's the show. And here's what it's going to be. And here's what's going to happen. And the guy who owned the production company said to me, you know, You should be on camera. I was like, of course I should be on camera. (laughs) Clearly you're a genius. (laughs) And uh, they hired me and gave me a talk show. Wow. Yeah, like really cool. Terrifying, but really cool. The Mm. problem was I wanted to be white Oprah (laughs) and they wanted me to be Jerry Springer. And there was a fundamental disconnect in terms of my integrity. And I've never been someone who wanted something so badly that they were willing to sacrifice their authenticity or their integrity. I've always been someone who has stayed my true course. And I did um, about five episodes of the show. And then I said to them, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm. This is not right for me. I feel I feel badly about myself. I'm not in my place of purpose. I want out. And to his credit, the uh, the owner of the production company, who is actually Sir Wahid Ali, ah. these, these days, right? Yeah. Back in the day, just Wahid. He said, "Okay, I I get you," and he let me out of my contract. But then I was like, "Well, I already have an agent." And I already have some on-camera experience. Maybe I could do this. Mm. And that launched me into a TV career in the UK where I was on camera for for about four years. I hosted a show called The Fashion Police. We were the original Fashion Police. I did a show called The Warehouse, this live late-night program. I did a show called The Fast Food Show, a whole bunch of stuff. But it didn't fulfill me, surprisingly. Mm. I thought Mm. I wanted to be famous. And I realized that I didn't want to be famous. I wanted a platform from which to communicate. Interesting. I, I loved people and I wanted to help them, but this was not the way. It it was again the, the there was a lack of authenticity. So mm. I decided to move back to Canada. Mm. And I was 36 years old at this point and I mm. had no saleable skills. <laughs> I'd been a TV host, a singer, and a script editor. Like what it didn't count for anything when I came back home. And it was terrifying yeah. at thirty-six years old to really have no resume, no nothing. Mm. And I thought, what can I do in terms of my transferable skills? Which is such an important question to ask yourself. It's not what my resume is. It's what have I done in my life that might create a good story for something else, right? Interesting. So yep. I thought, I'll go work and advertise it. <laughs> because I can write I can sell I can pitch I can do all of those things and that's like a real grown-up job I could do a real grown-up job so I talked my way into the biggest ad agency in Canada without any portfolio any anything I just literally talked my way in
0: there's a common theme coming through here I'd just like to explore one thing though there's JFDI as we would say just I can do it and get into something mm-hmm. yeah and then there's There's almost a red thread that you go through. But normally people have a process that either instinctively it just comes to them or they're out walking or they take time or they do something to get these ideas. My sense is that yours doesn't happen like that. It just goes. It just happens. But I'm interested in hearing.
1: If there is something that I dream of doing, I go do it. I just do it. Because I understand that there is nothing stopping me. My mother used to say to me when I was little, she would say, why not you?
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Whenever I would talk about having a dream about something, she'd say, well, someone's got to have that cool job. Someone's got to get to do yeah. that cool thing. Why not you? Yeah. And so I had this sense of infinite possibility. It was well, I, what's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work out, but if you shoot for the stars, Mm. so yeah, so you end up in the sky, you know, it's like, you know, who cares? It's not about falling back to earth. And even if you fall back to earth, you pick yourself up and you shoot for the the stars again. Mm. And so I always had that sense of, of anything was possible. And the only thing standing in my way was me. Mm. And I was not going to stand in my own way. I'm not afraid of failure in any way, shape or form. You learn so much more from failure than you do from success. Success is not a great
0: teacher yeah no i'm a great because
1: it's, it's like you just write it you're like oh look at me i'm so badass it's so great no <laughs> it's when you fall on your butt a whole bunch of times and go oh i probably should rethink that or adjust that or we can you know what i mean Yeah, work that oh so problem solving all oh, that's where all the juicy stuff happens mm. and so when i worked in advertising they gave me a really lowly job mm. i was an intermediate copywriter at 36 years old my peers were 24 mm. i was like i'll take it yeah i'll take it no problem mm. and here's the thing Within eight months, Mm -hmm. I was creative director. Wow. Eight months. And here's why. Mm -hmm. I had all of these underpinned skills. I'd worked in sort of multimedia. Mm -hmm. I could pitch, which is the greatest skill set that you can have in business. The ability to sell yourself and to sell things for other people. Mm -hmm. It is number one in my book. And I also understood people Mm -hmm. and I loved people. So I was... You know, leadership material for sure. And I was also a big grown-up. Mm. I hadn't grown up in advertising. So I had a perspective that other people didn't. Mm. And I worked in, in advertising and, and I recognized because remember, this is the first time I'd really worked in anything corporate. And, and despite what you might think, advertising is as corporate as anything else. I worked for the largest ad agency in the world.
0: Who was that? Who is, that? Who is that? McCann. McCann McCann. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I witnessed the amount of stress. And pressure and the need to perform and the fear of failure, the imposter syndrome, all of these terrible things that my people were were mm. experiencing. Because, you know, advertising, being a creative profession, you're only as good as the last thing that you've done. Yeah. It's very subjective. It's hard, It's unquantifiable. And people live in terror. Mm. Of never being good enough, of never having another great idea, of having to sell themselves and their ideas all the time. And they were really in hell. Mm. And I couldn't help them from inside. I was too busy putting out fires and and dealing with politics and doing the work and so on. And so I came home one day and I said to my husband, I, I feel like I'm a superhero who's using her powers for evil instead of good. Mm. And I think I could help my people more. Now that I understand what they're going through and I understand their pain, I feel I like could, I could help them better from the outside than from the inside. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do my job and start a training company. Huh. And my husband just looked at me in abject horror. And I, we had just bought a house at this point. And he said, but Leslie, you hate training. <laughs> and you're untrainable. <laughs> I said, but exactly, right? Isn't that genius? I mean, if I could if I could create experiences for people like me, then maybe I'd be onto something.
0: Can I just pause for a moment? I would just wallow in that moment that when your partner tells you you hate training and by the way you're untrainable yeah there's there's a message in there somewhere what what does he do what's uh, what's his
1: my husband is the opposite of me yeah. he is a consultant so he's all about he's an engineer mm-hmm. business process yeah. governance you know <laughs> structure everything about him is buttoned down he's in you know in the box and i am this like little fairy that just swirls around the outside of it. You know, we are definitely in a yang, but that's what makes it work so, so much. And he understood that I could do anything that I set my mind to, because that's, that's historically, that's what I do. Mm. But he was surprised at the choice, you know, he was like, "Hmm, okay, Mm. but I did it. I started a little trainee company and I started focusing on advertising people. And my ethos was, I am going to, do this from a place of subject matter expertise because advertising people are the smartest people on the planet. Like Mm -hmm. they're the great manipulators of the world. And if you come in incorrect in any way, shape or form, they will eat you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. You have to know what you're talking about. So I focused on that as my first target and, People love the fact that someone who felt their pain, who'd lived where they lived, who'd done what they'd done, was coming in to help them up their game. Mm -hmm. And my business started to grow word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I never did any advertising or or marketing, ironically. And it was just something that people talked about because the experience was, was magical for them. And I was really able to help them mm. i, I said, said to myself i want them to be better at their jobs the very next day mm. and to have that that stress and that pain alleviated to make them feel like anything was possible for them and then to give them those underpinning skills to help them to do it and it just took off
0: what areas are you focusing on there because i i if I go back on the theme and I'd love to know which new wave you know, person or an artist you were looking at as you were had as a role model or an idol in there. But there's there's a, a whole pattern of themes. You know, writing, music, pitching. So how did you know, when people come into a workshop with myself, they'll get a broad range as well. Mm-hmm. But but what were you doing for them? What was your unique bit? Yeah,
1: uh, the first company that I that I launched was called Three Training, and I mm-hmm. focused on three areas ideation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: collaboration Mm
0: -hmm.
1: presentation
0: interesting
1: that's where i started the ability to come up with ideas Mm -hmm. because i'm a big idea girl i understand creative process i'm also trained in creative problem solving so coming up with ideas then the ability to work within a team to build those ideas and bring them to life Mm -hmm. because that's usually where most ideas fall apart and then the ability to sell the crap out of those ideas yeah so that 's why I started. That was the, kind of the, the basics and and there was a lot of things that were woven through that. Mm-hmm. There was leadership as mm-hmm. well, leading from within, and also creative leadership is something again very sort of amorphous, fuzzy wuzzy, because it's a meritocracy. Yeah. If you're good at if you're good at what you do, you get elevated. But the likelihood is if you're really good creative, you're probably not a great people person.
0: No, so it's, Really? Yeah,
1: <laughs> and they needed a lot of help. Yeah. So that sort of started to sneak in. And then it was there was this underpinning about authenticity as well. Okay. The Ability to tap into who you really were Mm -hmm. and not be afraid of that, Mm -hmm. to fly your freak flag high, to bring all of those ideas to the party, to stand your ground when you collaborated, to be able to sell with truth and with authenticity and realness and not become this presenting robot and and so on. And then it just grew from there. I was... Working, you know, all over the world, and and building the company, and then I took on a partner who wanted me to make the company bigger. That became the evolution of the company, which became Combustion. Mm-hmm. I had a bigger roster of training of trainers, and I started to also focus more on leadership. That became a real area of of my uh, of my work, and again. The clients just came. You know, one day I picked up the phone and it was like, hello, it's Google. Oh, hello, hello, Google. How how can we help you over yeah. here at Combustion? And they hired us to develop and deliver their global marketer training program. Mm. And they literally sent us around the world about four times. I mean, nice. we did, we were everywhere. We were Singapore, we were Tokyo, London, Paris, Hamburg, Warsaw, but I mean, you know, Silicon Valley it was it was everywhere. Um, and it it grew and, and grew and grew. And, and it's, you know, it's, a, it's a going seven figure concern. Mm-hmm. And, and then as I was, you know, and I, and I started speaking more, I, I was focusing as much on the speaking part of it as I was the training as the, as the company mm-hmm. um, grew. And I was developing and delivering these very high level leadership programs and watching the challenges within the corporate world, like the hardcore I was doing this for banks and and technology companies and so on. And I was, as always, as I have been so blown away by the amount of fear that people experienced this story that they told themselves about who they needed to be in order to find success, hmm. how they need to walk, talk, act and People were throwing their authenticity on the fire mm-hmm. in order to achieve their goals. And it was heartbreaking to me. And I also recognized that it was not the way to success, yeah. that in fact, it was the very opposite. And I would spend so much of these leadership programs breaking people down, mm-hmm. not, not building them up first, but breaking them down first and stripping away all of that false persona mm-hmm. that they had. And getting them back into who they truly, truly were. And then helping them to really hold on to it as they then rebuilt. And, and stepped into the this, this skills and their uniqueness. And the way that they could lead authentically. And in their true place of power. And I started calling that thing their swagger. Mm. Not their show-offy peacocky thing. I was like, no, we don't want that kind of swagger. Mm we want the ability to manifest who we really really are and then hold on to it in the face of all of that psychological crap that's going to come for regardless of the situation or environment that's what makes an incredible leader that is what is the key to success and sustainable success cuz if if you're full of crap and you're full of crap in pursuit of the goal you're stuck with it. If you get there, you're now you now have to be that person forever. Yep. And you're terrified that you're going to be found out. Mm-hmm. The pressure only gets greater. You have you feel like you have further to fall, and then one day, inevitably, you will wake up and go, "What what's what happened to me? Yeah. Where did I go? I am not myself anymore."
0: This for me is is the the out of all you've talked about is the real nugget because there's different dimensions to this because if we go back to authenticity and there's some great work that talks about all you know people say well that's because i'm i'm being authentic and i never change yeah that's one angle on it, which mm-hmm. for me is always, what well, you can change and we change through our experiences. You would have changed from being a script writer, coming to the UK, you've got the lingo, you're all of those things. So authenticity is developable in one way. But what you're talking about for me, I, I just want to nail down what do you mean by authenticity when you say this core bit that you hold on to. Yeah.
1: It, it is about understanding what is true for you, mm-hmm. what your values are, Yep. what level of integrity that you have mm-hmm. and how you want to show up in the world. What is natural for you in how you show up in the world? It's not about being an asshole. It's not a license to be an asshole mm. because if you don't have clarity of your intention, things are not going to go well for you. Right. You know, we want to speak our truth in this world, but if we just run around with our hair on fire screaming, I must speak my truth and kind of puking it all over people. Nobody cares. Nobody mm. has time. You know, everybody fundamentally cares about themselves first and foremost. And mm. if you're just puking your truth on them, but ah, no, I, thanks. Just take your barf somewhere else. Yeah. But we can learn because you're right. It's not about it's not about changing who we are. It's about learning mm. to take up space in a meaningful way in this in this world. Like, and when we speak our truth, we have to really think about first of all, is my truth only good for me? Mm-hmm. If it's only good for me, nobody's going to have time for it. Yep. So you have to think about. How can I reframe, not diminish and not change, but reframe my truth so that it's not just good for me, it's good for the other, it's good for the collective, and hopefully, ideally, it's good for the greater good.
0: Mm.
1: And then you have to check your intention. Yeah. Why do I want to speak this? Why is it important? What benefit? What value is it? If, it's, if I want to you know, make myself bigger in order to make someone else look smaller, it's not going to go well for me. Yeah. And serves me right, mm. that is not swagger. You know, and the, and the last thing that that you need to have true swagger is self-belief. Mm-hmm. You need to believe that you're worthy of taking up the space, that you're worthy of speaking your truth, that it has value, that what you think, feel and believe is important and that you can share it with the world. And this is very different than confidence. Yeah. So don't let's not make make any mistakes about that. Self-belief is a choice. Confidence is not something you can ever fake you can only achieve true confidence as a result of true competence Mm -hmm. and people are running around trying to pretend that they're confident and it doesn't work you you know that you only by doing something over and over and over again and proving to your highly resistant brain that you actually know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. do you achieve that glorious nirvana called confidence Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we're in our journey and we're growing and we're evolving and we're questioning why we don't have confidence, it's because we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're, we, we've somehow we've, we've developed this hate on and this shame around the journey. Mm-hmm. That, I don't understand that. It's like we all started from a place of I have no freaking clue. Mm-hmm. Everybody started from there. And, and we expect so much from ourselves as opposed to saying, no, 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 this is where I am. This is where I was. Mm-hmm. Look at me now. Yay me. You know, I have evolved. I have furthered myself. And I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to be further along in a year or two or whatever it is now. But uh, I don't want to pretend that I'm anywhere other than I am. I want to be a badass right here and keep growing. So you can be confident about where you are based on confidence. And nobody can take that away from you. Mm. Nobody can say, no, you're not. No, actually, I am because I've done it and I know what I'm talking about and, and so on. So self-belief is is different. It's, it's what you need to take you from where you are to the next place because self-belief is just that unerring feeling that you can take a step off the cliff into the unknown and you're not going to die.
0: And I'm hearing something behind this because I want to go, because the self-confidence is what I am. But anybody listening to you, and to me to a certain extent, well, you're naturally confident. you you got the gift of the gab, as we would say in the UK. You can you can get in there, you can talk. So therefore, it's it's easy for you. But but I mm-hmm. hear something different because I hear something about the intent and the intention needs to be for others. And to understand whether it is for others, firstly, you need to have that curiosity, that listening. So, so I have, for example, I have a strong belief that the strong, best leaders in the world are introverted. Because they listen first. Yeah. Mm. And mm. then they speak their truth. I'm interested in that because people might be listening to you, hearing the word swagger and going, Okay, so if I pump myself full of something, yeah, I can go out and be confident. Whereas what mm. you're saying is something fundamentally different, aren't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, swagger manifests differently differently for every different mm. human on the planet. There is no one way. Yeah, to have swagger because it's it's innate, it's inherent to the human. And there are such swagger filled badass, you know, introverts mm. that I have encountered. In fact, there's nothing as powerful yeah. as as a, an introverted, you know, human with full of swagger, because it is this quiet core, unshakable thing. Mm. And when you meet the swagger filled introverts, you lean in. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be louder. Yeah. Cuz you want to eat it up. We we lean into those people. The same way that you can be a hot mess mm-hmm. and still swagger. As long as it's authentic to who you are. Mm-hmm. And the only difference between me and someone else is that I figured out that I am a beautiful human mess early on mm-hmm. and I accepted it mm-hmm. early on. Mm-hmm. And I understood that showing people that I am perfectly imperfect is not going to end me. Mm. And so whatever, whatever we we do in our lives and whatever risks we take, that is the teacher. Mm. So you know, to say that, oh, it's good, it's easy for you because you've got the gift of the gab. Well, how do you think I developed the gift of the gab? Yeah, yeah. By gabbing. Mm. By fearlessly gabbing. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes it worked, sometimes people went, shut up, Leslie. <laughs> You're too much, you're too loud, you know, you're too whatever. And I went, Oh, okay. Mm. I'm not for everyone. And that's okay too. Yeah. Right. It's a, it, that's okay. So I, I think that it's remember when we, you know, that's why I've redefined the, the word swagger, because it is not mm. about that extroverted, full on extra kind of personality that, that is not mm. what makes somebody magical. Mm. It's when you meet them and you go, wow, what you see is what you get. Yeah. And even if they're introverted, I understand that they're an iceberg. You know, I understand that there's a lot under the surface, but I, I, I have clarity on their intention. I have clarity on their integrity, on their values of mm. the kind of the core sense of themselves. And they're not going to change for anyone. Mm. It's going to be my job to lean in. Hmm. And the same thing for extra for extroverts, you know, when you see an extrovert with swagger, you say they're not that that external bubble that they have is not hiding anything.
0: Yeah,
1: what what you see is what you get. That also makes great leaders. I what l- you see is what you get.
0: I love that because I think that's a core cool thing: is that exuding confidence as a leader can be diminishing for people who follow them yeah mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. go well I wouldn't have thought you ever lacked confidence however showing vulnerability and showing that you nearly you almost had a heart attack before you do a keynote is core to people understanding that there's a, there's a worry and we all have our demons so the perfectly imperfect is in everybody and for those mm-hmm. people who say i you know i don't have my demons i don't you know they're lying they're lying lying. they lie (laughs) lie.
1: but that's the thing is the beautiful thing is when you confess your mess it does not matter what Mm. your status is what your title is what your level is what your paycheck is yeah when you choose to confess your mess at whatever level is appropriate Mm -hmm. you know we want to be appropriate you give other people the greatest gift in the world Mm. the ability for them to look back back at you and say oh my god me too Mm. me too yeah. We now are the same. I now see myself in you. I thought you were so much higher than me or fancier than me or better, but you're just like me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you go, as a leader, you say, that's right. And you can be just like me, just like I'm like you. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible for you, just as it is for me. Mm-hmm. And I think the greatest thing that a leader can experience is when the, their followers, because you can't be a leader without followers, that their followers outshine them when their followers get promoted to their level or even above them. Mm -hmm. That is incredible to me. It means that is that, you know, you lifted each other. That's a beautiful thing. That's a gift that you give to your followers as a leader. So, you know, when you're, when you're a leader, you got to be really cautious not to fixate on the next rung of the ladder mm-hmm. not to be looking up all the time you got to look left and right to your peers and colleagues you got to look inwards and you got to look to your followers that is the paradigm for for leadership success
0: and it is interesting because it it all comes full circle because why do i want to become a leader it goes to intention mm-hmm. measurement of success is a core bit you know so mm-hmm. if, if you look at so many people I know who have lots of money but are unhappy, you know, mm-hmm. and therefore you start to go, "Well, hold and say, like money isn't everything." So we're all searching for this holy ground, and actually, while we're searching for it, by the way, life is what happens around mm-hmm. us. So, oh, yeah, and
1: if we if we are looking for the level or the status or whatever for validation. Mm we that's going to bite us in the ass at some point because yeah. it means that we're trying to outrun the the insecurity demons mm-hmm. we're like if if I can get that title if I can get that that paycheck or whatever that'll prove that I'm worthy, that I'm good enough. Mm. And that will make me feel less insecure. Oh, no, it won't. Nope. You're just going to be more insecure from a higher perch because you have farther to fall. And so you have to deal with that stuff. You know, it is great when, when you get a promotion. It is great when you get to that next level. But again, what you do with it and why you want it is the most important thing because that's, you're, that's what you're stuck with. Mm. You know, if you're not naturally a people manager, Don't try and be a leader, be a badass subject matter expert, Mm. find that path that allows you to be the subject matter expert who works in parallel with leaders to increase knowledge across the organization. But don't become a leader just because you want the title Yeah. because you will make your people suffer. If you're not prepared to be a people manager, a people leader, a grower of humans, leadership is not right for you. Mm. And that is Okay. It doesn't make you a failure. It doesn't make you less than. It just means that you have a different path. Find that path. Own that path. Keep it real. And you will be an incredibly valuable asset. But if you try and mix and match the two, like, really, I'm a, I'm a subject matter expert who doesn't give a crap about about growing other people, which is fine. That's not a judgment. So I nope. want to become an incredible expert and share that that expertise, you know, in, in all of the areas in the organization that necessary in order to grow the organization. Great. Let somebody else grow the people.
0: And I think that's where organizations a lot now what they're trying to do is they're trying to to get people to be authentic. They're trying with the the in days of now that we're in about equity, inclusion, be yourself, bring your in your terms, your swagger to this. However, that they have given that accountability to leaders who firstly are doing a player coach role, not really leading. They're doing mm-hmm. the, the they're doing the doing and on the side they're being asked to do the people side. Yeah. But also there's a lack of trust in those organizations about what's the true intention. So we've got to shift around the, the organization. So what's your experience of getting the culture right? Because advertising, there's some great advertising cultures out there. I mean, you know, I grew up on 30-something. Um, you know, if you remember the series and that always yeah. felt like a really good place to work. But what is the culture that organizations should be enabling?
1: You know, I've spent actually so much more time in organizations other than advertising. I mean, I know that mm-hmm. business inside out, but, you know, I've spent a lot of time in financial services, for mm-hmm. example, which you doesn't get more corporate than that, more structured than that yep. technology, you know, same, same. And I, I think it is always, unfortunately, it's kind of top down, mm-hmm. but I like to train from the bottom up mm-hmm. that, that makes me happy. And when I say from the bottom up, I mean, at every level. Mm-hmm. So if I'm training aspiring leaders, you know, associate VPs, for example, what I'm trying to get them to understand is that they need to walk the talk. They can't wait for someone to give them permission. They have to ask themselves, do I want to be my most authentic self and find success? Or do I want to play a game and, uh, and hope that I'm going to find success? Like, what? Wh- which path do you want? what terms do you want success on and then their job is then to express that message to their people and we hope that at every level because i've worked with you know for, with CEOs down and there're always people under the people there's always you know it, it there's always someone and so at every level you're saying to the people on the lower tiers because it's a, it's a thinning wedge right so there's more people in that that aspiring to be a, you know, associate VP, associate VP aspiring to be a VP and so on and so forth is, is saying to them, look, you have to walk your talk and you have to make it very clear to people that you expect nothing less from them. Mm. And if we do that at all levels, then we start to shift culture. Mm. And you have to be so, so, so careful of not, you know, talking up both sides of your face, as they say. You know, saying to people, "Yes, we want you to have the freedom to express who you are." It's the same, it's the same problem with the, this. drives me nuts when we talk about diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. and we say we have hiring practices. We want to make sure that we have a, a beautiful palette of colors represented in the, the boardrooms and and you know in the in the office. And we want people from all different cultures, and we want people from all different aspects of life. You know, gender and, and sexual um, orientation, all the rest of it. Oh, great! Now that you're all here, we'd like you to all think the exact same yes <laughs> I'm like what no this is about the diversity of thought as much it is is about as about di- diversity because all of these people have unique perspectives. They've all experienced something. People who are immigrants, people who have grown up, you know, with, with gender identities or, or, you know, or or lack of inclusion in their communities. All of that outsider stuff brings a worldview that is so critical, not just to the organization, but to the organization's customers and clients. Yeah. And the day that we start truly embracing diversity is the day that that everything changes for the organization. The amount of insight, the amount, the breadth of, of ideas and creativity and the, the cultural shift, the way that we look at each other, the way that we talk with each other, all of those things change, right? So that, it, it really is about acceptance. That to me is kind of the key to changing culture. That that big, you do you, boo, and I'm going to do me. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it together.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Going into here, there because I, I think we're hitting on the real nub of what you you write about and what what you talk about is is allowing people to amplify their voice and and bring their swagger to a conversation. But for those misinterpreting swagger, it's not about bringing it and then keeping it. It's about bringing it, combining it with others, so that the combined swagger, to to coin a phrase, and I don't know if this is what you talk about in your work, but the combined swagger is that that mix of culture or that culture that actually thrives yeah
1: yeah i I think you know heaven on earth would be a world filled with everybody in their place of swagger Mm -hmm. all together because swagger is your true power when the world kind of forces us and we we buy into it it forces us to start parsing through who we are and saying, oh, well, this is the stuff that's acceptable, this is not. This is the stuff that's good, this is not. This is the stuff that's worthy, this is not. By definition, we become disintegrated, right? And we are leaving so much of who we are off the table. How can we be in our full place of power if we're not tapping into everything that we are? Everything that we are. Absolutely. And, you know, no one can take your power. Hmm. You can choose to give it away, but nobody can take it from you. So all those voices in your head that have been, you know, there since you were little, that have been building over time, that tells you you're not good enough at this, or you're too much of that, or this isn't good about you, or whatever, all the rest of it. That's like, that's like the, the emotional equivalent of going into, or psychological, equivalent of, of going into the airport, going over to the baggage carousel, picking up somebody's random piece of baggage, taking it at home, unpacking it, and putting their dirty underwear on your head you're wearing <laughs> their bias their crap their pain mm. their history their everything you know mm. yeah. we we need to understand that that everything that we are is good everything mm. that we are we have to learn how to use it for good mm. that's all use it for good
0: yeah and it's it's interesting We're listening to a book by chris Tuff and um great book about networking but linked to that he he quotes quote. Uh, i'm gonna get the quotation wrong but it it's this concept if you go looking for friends you'll never find them mm-hmm. but if you go with the purpose of being friend to many you will find them all over the place and and that piece about being you know okay with yourself Bring in your bag of swag, as I've started in my mind to see this swagger as bring it in, but see it as a gift to other people to be a friend and work connection. And they even take the word friend out to give to others. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I when I started to write the book, Swagger, there was this little voice in my head, like in every author's head, in every human's head, that said, Is anyone gonna want to hear this? Mm. Is this important? Is this gonna matter to people? And is my authentic voice going to cut through. And so I, my strategy was, was this, I said to myself, I am not going to read any books on this subject in any way, shape or form at all. I don't want anybody else's voice in my head. I want to be absolutely sure that all of my ideas are my own. Mm-hmm. And and if other people have the same ideas, more power to all of us. Yay us! But I wanted I wanted to make sure. So there were some books out there that I said to my husband, "Can you read them, please?" And then tell me if uh, you know. And he obligingly read a whole bunch of books and went, "Nope, nope, they're not they're mm-hmm. they're not duplicating your ideas." I was like, "Cool." And then my commitment to myself was this: I said, when people read this book, I wanted to feel like they're sitting right next to me and having a conversation. Mm. And I want it to read the same way that I talk mm. and nobody is going to change that. No editor, no publisher, nobody is going to change that. That is my commitment to myself. And that is the way that I want to honor all of the people who are willing to share their stories in this book. Yeah. I want, I want the truth of their experience to come through my truth, mm. you know, and that's exactly what I did. And the, the book, did things that I never imagined that it would do. I'm like a Canadian author. We are, we are not known for hitting the big, the big, you know, big boy lists, as it were, the big girl lists. Mm-hmm. And my book hit the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller lists. Mm-hmm. And everybody said to me, people who know me said, or people who listen to me on podcasts said, it is the same as talking to you. Yeah. I just feel like you were just pulled up a chair next to me and you were giving me all your good, best life advice. I was like, yes, that was success for me, much more so than the fact that it hit the list. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Mm. But the fact that people said that is your authentic voice and we, we see that in every word, every page, I was like, yes, I did it.
0: And it is interesting now because I, just going back to this, in terms of people writing books, it's one of the best bits of advice that was given to me was when you do the Audible version of your book, do it, in you do it. You read uh-huh. it, because oh, yeah. people like to hear the the author, yeah, to to hear it. But but I think there's something else in there because you know you were going back and saying Canadians don't hit. You know Michael Bungistani are multi million. Seller of his book,
1: yeah. But Michael's, Michael's like a magic unicorn on so
0: many levels. On so many levels, you know. We can just hang on the 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 coattails of. Okay,
1: he's one of my favorite people on the planet.
0: oh he's just amazing. Yeah, and I think there's something in there because the Canadian culture is about giving and it is about connection and. Self-deprecation, but I think my favorite band is Rush. So out of you know Toronto, and and I just think about the way that they impacted the rock world and didn't get recognitional to the end. So there is something about slow building, and it goes back to the message about swagger, which is bring your authentic self, let your own energy get into the worlds and then it will come whatever it is you're looking for and you've got to decide what that is, is yeah. what you're well, saying.
1: As Oscar Wilde said, you know, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. <laughs> right? <I love> <laughs> like, one of the greatest joys of, of my life is when I look back on what I've achieved. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I achieved it authentically and without sacrificing my integrity. And here's something else that my mother, my mother, my amazing mother taught me when I was very young. She explained to me that your legacy was not something that you start to think about when you're 65. Hmm. You know that you look in the rearview mirror and you ask yourself what what have I left behind? Hmm. Your legacy is, is is the way you live every single day. Because you are building your legacy every single day with every interaction, with every act of kindness or unkindness, with every success, with every failure, you, you are leaving your legacy mm-hmm. and you need to start right now. Mm-hmm. And if I died tomorrow, not that I'm planning on it, not that I want no. it to happen, if I died tomorrow, I would be good to go
0: yeah.
1: because I understand the legacy that I'm leaving behind. And I really, really believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that I know what people would say about the impact that I've had on the world, my contribution, and the recognition of how I lived my life. And that was very much um, in service of others, but not at the expense of myself.
0: Yeah. You know, to quote another expression I picked up recently, success leaves clues. And if your clues that you leave behind as you go through life are the ones you want to be known for, Mm -hmm. then that's your swagger. That's the pure definition of, of what you're trying to do.
1: And it's inspirational as hell. Yeah. It really is. Like just by living your own life and living your truth and being in service of of. You know, of others and of the greater good, it inspires other people to do the same yeah. because they see that they can achieve success, they can have all the things that they want, and and live a life that breeds happiness. It breeds mm. joy. I mean, I'm I'm a really happy kid. Yeah, and I've, I I just what, what's not to be happy about? You know, I have my health, I have a family that I love, I have success, I've been able to do it on my own terms, I worked my ass off, make no mistake, yeah. I worked my ass off, and I made sacrifices along the way, and I had to do all of that good stuff, but I made those choices consciously. And I didn't ever sacrifice who I was in the process. I didn't throw anybody else under the bus, you know, and you can achieve your dreams like that. It is possible. You don't have to be an asshole to be successful. Yeah. I don't know where people get that idea that I've got to be stoic and I've got to be closed off and I've got to be, you know, I've got to be super tough and I've got to be like a dude. I've got to be like all of those stories that we tell ourselves. No. No, it is it is a lie. It is the story that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And we got to stop telling ourselves that story. You know, everyone listening to this is as entitled and as capable of and as worthy of success as anybody else. Yeah. There is no rules. There is no checklist. It is your intention. It is your willingness to do the work. It is your, you know, your love for for other people. You know, get on it. Get on it.
0: And and I think it's a lovely place to end because for me, the, it, it gets into when you look at mental health, and I've had my battles with mental health. Mm, the haven't past. we
1: all?
0: Yeah. And when you look at it, what now the swagger that people are telling stories about, and partial minus is about telling that story, is when you look, people now have role models of people who have swagger. Yeah. With mental health issues in the past. And it's the story of how you bring your authentic, per- with your doubts, you're perfectly perfect. I'm trying to get back to your quote about your, your perfect mess or uh, whatever. When you when you
1: confess your mess, well, that's a perfect yeah. example of it. If you, if you're struggling with mental health and you speak it out loud, you yeah. give other people the opportunity to say yeah. me too. And now you're not alone. Yeah. And the greatest problem with mental health is being alone.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to end in with a sign which is behind your head, hidden slightly by your head, which is "Keep calm and swagger on." And I, I've just loved our conversation. It feels, for me, if I could just bottle you up and just every part of the day, just be able to go, "Okay, I just need a bit of uh, Leslie to bring this to life and to to add that swagger." Thank you for sharing this, and and thank you for for giving your authentic story behind. I love the British connection, obviously.
1: Seventeen um, years, baby. I am I am British in my heart and soul i might sound canadian on the outside but i to me in my mind i'm british
0: oh i love it i love it on that note leslie if people want to hear from you more or contact you where would they find you uh on web or whatever else. Yeah. You
1: can you can learn more about what I do at Lesliem.com. That's L-E-S-L-I-E-E-H-M.com. Uh swagger, unleash everything you are and become everything you want. Available at all good booksellers. There's a hardback, a paperback, an audiobook if you want my voice in your head. And ah, you can no. follow me on Instagram at, at Leslie M Speaks. I'm on LinkedIn at Leslie M. I think that's everything. That you need to know. Play with me on social because I like to act a fool. I have a good time.
0: <laughs> so everything you got, all bases covered. Leslie, it was a joy. Thank you, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you soon.
1: Thank you so much. Pleasure was mine.
0: For those listening to the Leadership Tales podcast, you'll feel that I am biased towards Canadians, and you might be right on that. So. Um, another great conversation, another uh, great Canadian adopted Brit coming into this. But um, what I do love is just some of the ideas that Leslie brings to to us on the Swagger side, on the stories. Literally, it's it's about a couple of things in there. One is the this authenticity and this mess that we have, this lovely mess that we we bring, perfectly imperfect person we bring to the world. And then there's this other bit about how you use that and how you bring that. And I I love what she was talking about, equity and culture, which is bringing all of these together, our perfect or imperfectly imperfect swaggers uh, to this world to be um, the future culture that will be successful for organizations. So Leslie was a great conversation to to have, and uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more of Leslie in the future. Thanks for listening.